welcome to season two of How to Breathe So You Don't Look Fat, a podcast titled after a lesson I was taught at eight years old. My name is Anna Mansell and I created this podcast to talk with regular people about the relationships they have with body, self and food, all in a desperate search to improve my own. Yes, we are back. Enough people wanted to listen to the first season that I thought I'd give it a go again. Over the next eight weeks, I have lined up some brilliant people that will share with us their relationship to body and self. And today's guest is Lizzie Skinner from an organisation called Beanology. We talked about the persecution of imperfection, the need for us all to believe in our enoughness, and we talked about the time she tried to cover her nipples with pebbles. It's worth mentioning that, as you might have come to expect from my potty mouth, it's a smidge sweary, but as we're all grown-ups, fingers crossed you'll forgive us. Right, here she is. Enjoy. Okay, let's get straight into it. Um, uh, So we met on Instagram. We did. Uh, and we've chatted uh, a little bit. You are, uh, well, I was going to say you are, do I describe you as Lizzie's first or Beanology first? Which is your preference? I think they're both synonymous. They live, um, they li- they coincide, they coexist. Okay. So uh, it's really interesting because a lot of the people around here, mainly children, call me Lizzie Bean. That isn't my actual name, but that's <laughs> how, that is how interconnected my worlds have become. Uh, well, okay. So Lizzie from Beanology, yeah. you are mum of four, wife of one, friend of many. You've been trying to change the world from the landing for some time. You're quite tired now, but committed to the dream. A world where we all love ourselves so that we can be kinder, braver and self-forgiving. A dance with childhood cancer and unsuing fall down a rather large anxiety hole have left you wobbly of faith but courageous of heart. Oh, that makes me want to cry. That's very very pertinent. (laughs) (laughs) Does that still feel like it reflects you? I think so yeah it doesn't change I mean the one thing about what I teach is that uh, uh, much like the seasons uh, we change day by day um, uh, and I think my values are always consistent but my emotions perhaps less so (laughs) yeah tell me about it (laughs) <laughs> I was just saying, I've just been on Instagram and said, uh, oh, I'm you know, recording the next episode of the podcast today. It's really going to be great. Really excited. It's interesting that it's come on a day where I am really not in a great place with my body. Oh, no. And, it, you know, it's like you say, intellectually, there's, there's a sort of there's a balance. And I know the stuff intellectually, but on a day to day basis, it's probably just hormonal. <laughs> it's not I think it's definitely uh when when someone described this period of time as the covid roller coaster it's definitely a thing I've called it the covid cokey for a long time you're either in out or shaking it about in some wild manner in order to shake off the fog that is happening to I think most people I mean I think if you're if you're not affected by it you're obviously uh, a psycho quite possibly I think people are finding this third lockdown particularly challenging aren't they I mean it's just not normal it's not how humans are designed to be and it is it is incredibly difficult um it is it's interesting I uh, yesterday I there's a a real thing about keeping mental health moaning and reality are three incredibly separate beasts and it's trying to separate 
them all so you know years ago you'd say oh I've got a cold and everyone would be oh that's a shame have a tissue I feel for you have a paracetamol these days you don't get that kind of empathy unless you've got uh, the flu sorry a bit of a bad choice in in my metaphor but um it's a bit like mental health like you can't just say oh I'm a bit pissed off or I feel a bit sad you have to say oh I've got depression before you get a response to what you need and I think what I'm trying to do is bring it all back to a bit more of a reality that humans have this sense that we, we feel all the time yeah. um, and you don't have to be feeling so bad that you need help before you need help, if that makes any sense. And I watched this thing yesterday on the BBC to give me perspective because that's what childhood cancer did for me. It gave me perspective mm. um, to align my values, my thoughts, but also to take hold of my anxiety in a way and just say, it's all relative and mm -hmm. give yourself a perspective. I hope yeah. that made some sense, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, can we talk about that for a second? Is that the childhood cancer, was that you? Was that one of your children? Is that- No, so it was one of my children. It was a long time ago now, it was 2011. We had three years of treatment and uh, maybe, I don't know how many years after we get, you get looked after for quite a long time by the health team and we got, um, we got, what's the word, discharged about 12 months ago. For, so we never have to go back to the hospital again. Um, it's, it's really interesting because that for me has made, has made um, this lockdown from COVID both, both easier to handle, but also much more triggering. So I got quite cross to start with because I was a bit like, oh, now everyone knows what it feels like to be frightened of germs. Because yeah. when you've got a child with cancer, who's uh, neutropenic, you know, you're terrified of coughs and colds and snots and you're terrified of it all because for you it might be a cold, but for your child it might mean uh, sepsis and it might mean weeks, months in hospital. And that is kind of what COVID is, isn't it? It's that same thing. So for a while I got a bit cross and angry. Oh, now you know, now you know why I lived in that place of heightened anxiety. And, and I was good. I mean, we still lived, but I was careful. Um, yeah. but it did it has set me up for knowing how to align my life to the little things to the good stuff to taking each day as it comes but also to being so much kinder to myself so if I feel a bit shit I feel a bit shit and yeah. just know that tomorrow it won't be quite as bad acknowledge it, respect it and, and live with it for, for, for a day this yeah yeah pass and all that yeah yeah absolutely yeah totally yeah. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, uh, uh, I want to obviously talk about the questions that I sent you and the answers to it. What's interesting to me um, is that you're in a different place to some of the people I've already spoken to in season one, um, which we'll get onto as we talk, but I wonder at what point that came. So, so if we go from the beginning, we were saying, I was asking you about that moment you first became aware of your body and how it made you feel. And you said to me that you don't remember the pivotal moment but you do remember putting pebbles on your nipples when you were about 11 very aware that they were changing yes and also feeling mortified like feeling vulnerable feeling like and also i know that i've read i've listened read i haven't read your podcast listen to some of your podcasts where people caveat what they're saying and i do want to caveat what i'm saying and that none of my internalizing of the world and what the world was putting on me is anything to do with anybody else i don't know fault or blame or anything at anyone's door apart from this weird shape of society that says we need to fit a certain image and I lay my 
allay my insecurities when they came at their door, but not because they're mean. I mean, probably they're all right. They just want to make loads of money out of the fact that I felt ugly, probably. Um, <laughs> uh, right, then. <laughs> I'm really like, it's in uh, interesting. So yes, I would say that would be a pivotal moment and just feeling really embarrassed. But I guess that's just changing bodies, isn't it? Like... Yeah, but I Your wonder body. where that embarrassment comes from because you, because we're not embarrassed as kids. We're embarrassed as we get older. You know, we're not embarrassed as babies, as toddlers walking around on a beach, running around on a beach without clothes. Yeah. What is it that, is it purely that we're changing and we see it or is it that we've recognised other people are changing or are there conversations happening? You know, when you were aware that you were changing and you were putting pebbles on your nipples, is that something that is that did, did it come from a conversation or is it just was it an all an internal process i think for me it was definitely all an internal thing because no one else gave a shit no like not not in a horrible way but like they yeah. just didn't they were all for it they didn't care if i was running around in just my bikini bottoms it wasn't i was just little lizzie still yeah. it wasn't them that was doing anything it was definitely my awareness of a change within myself that made it different i do wish pebbles i wish pebbles would still cover my nipples <laughs> have a boulder please yeah tricky but so the um the nobody else caring does that suggest then to me that your home life was very easy as far as body image and things like that were concerned then it, it mm. something... i wouldn't say it was easy there's definitely a fat thing i think that um i blame i blame the post-war era i think the 40s and 50s if you were like of, of a bigger build or slightly chubby you potentially were being seen as seen as someone who was greedy someone who had too much so i mean i don't know if any of this is true this is merely my rationale on the whole thing is that um rationing was a thing you couldn't have everything you you know families had only what they needed so if you were of a slightly larger shape you were therefore obviously had more than what you needed and therefore could have been thought to have been greedy do you see what i mean so those kids that were born in the 40s 50s 60s they perhaps their parents were bringing them up with that mindset like oh they're a bit greedy they're not very christian they're not very blah blah blah, blah. yeah um so i think that, that had a part to play so i do there was definitely a oh you're a bit fat you're a bit oh you're not as thin as you used to be <laughs> you know that sort of talk but that didn't I'm not blaming my family members or whatever or people around me or friends yeah. for doing that stuff. But I think it, it's a society making them think that your shape of your body makes you more uh, uh, successful. And like, what the hell does that mean? It's ridiculous. Yeah, it is. It is. But I, I mean, I definitely think there was a post-war thing about all of that and a lot of fear around... Um, uh, greed but also there was also the alternative message which was you eat what's on your plate you know if you put food on your plate you, you don't food doesn't go to waste yeah you don't waste it yeah you, you finish yes. there um so it's a real mixed messaging from that yeah and all that whole if we've got yeah it's just so it's so confusing it's so and so people were just trying to parent or guide or whatever with all these messages don't be wasteful but don't get fat so don't don't eat make sure you eat all the pie but <laughs> yeah 
but don't have it with cream. No, but equally, and on top of all of that, I've had conversations with people where they've gone, you know, the the um, uh, parents or grandparents, quite often grandparents, you know, their, their way to show love was by delivering a delicious big plate of food, you know, rich food, pie and gravy and roast potatoes and, or, you know, whatever it was, or delicious puddings after dinner. And so, you know, it was, it was a language of love that was being delivered yeah. in a post-war era where you weren't allowed to waste anything, but also please don't get fat. <laughs> yes. Just so confusing. Yeah, and yet we wonder why sometimes we struggle. <laughs> or why we're all so fucking confused. Like, <laughs> the problem is, every, even now, like, you know, not just about body image, but about everything. It's also, everyone knows something or a reason or uh, a plan that will make it better. And we've mm -hmm. forgotten to say, actually, hang on a minute, tell me, what makes you feel good? Are you all right looking like you look? I think you look great. Are you all right looking like that? Then fuck it. What the fuck are we doing? You know, I've got friends who, you know, have been bigger and then lose weight. They're no fucking happier. They're just hungrier and thinner and they have to buy more clothes. And like, it's just, I just, it's such a nonsense. We think that this, this uh, never ending chase for eternal bliss comes in a dress size yeah and the fact you can wear a thong well, i mean also the flip side of it isn't there as well you know i've had conversations on the on instagram with people who are incredibly slim incredibly slender who cannot gain weight that is not the way their body is made up they wish they could because they are tired of people saying oh it's all right for you or well at least you yeah. can wear that and look great or you know or even just commenting negatively about them too thin too skinny you know look at the there is it's constant persecution at either end yeah, it's, of, it's just persecution of imperfection it's fucking nonsense there isn't a, there is no such thing as perfect and that's what makes me laugh i've got friends who are like archetypally beautiful you know and they're no happier than the friends who aren't and that's what that's the whole well, that's what the whole hilarious thing is is that there is no such thing as looking perfect no. Because I, then I laugh about all these people being lambasted for photoshopping. For fuck's sake, we've been wearing makeup since the dawn of time. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not saying people should photoshop, but equally, I it's the, it's the way the world has taken us. So I, you can't. Yeah, I think there's a difference, isn't there? Though, because the makeup. I mean, this is loose because then you can also expand on that. But, you know, I enjoy wearing makeup. I wear makeup for me. It, it makes me, you know, it, it makes me feel brighter. I think there's a difference between me wanting to make me feel brighter versus some white bloke in an office in London with his little pen and his laptop and all the rest of it giving, uh, you know, a supermodel a gap, a thigh gap. Oh yeah, totally. Like, yeah, no, it is nonsense. But then, like, yeah, you're right. It, but it is nonsense that whole like people saying, "Oh, don't, don't put filters on your." Like, I don't, I don't think we should be doing this either. Like, I'm with you. Like, totally. Yeah, yeah. But like, you don't put filters on yourself. But if it's making you feel good, because then you're getting fuel from social media, which of course I don't agree with in any way, shape, or form. I think yeah. that fuel should come from within. Yeah. But just like putting a slash of red lippy on and 
a filter that might make you look a little bit less wrinkly and then people saying to you god you look really lovely yeah isn't that that fuels our feel good yeah yeah i mean it's nonsense but well, it's just how we're wired, isn't it? We're, we're yeah. programmed. It's interesting. Someone, you said that someone once told you that you looked good from behind. <laughs> I mean, obviously, there's a whole conversation around how that sentence can come out. But, you know, did, is that something, is that a comment that made you feel good at the time? So I was like 14 or 15 or something. And he, told, he said to his mate, oh, Lizzie's really good looking from behind. Fuckers. <laughs> Honestly, I hate boys. I hate teenage boys. But I just think it's so funny now. Like, like what the hell? I just think it's funny. But I, it's it makes me laugh out loud because it is so funny. I don't remember being particularly hurt by it at the time. But then equally, oh, who knows? We all say and do things when we're 15 that we wish we hadn't done, don't we? But, um, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> we go there my children. Like, yeah, that's, that's another podcast altogether. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I said, how do you feel about your body today? And you said that you don't give a toot. Yeah. You've come to learn to learn through living life and the work that you do that having an outwardly perfect life body smile doesn't make you happy. I wondered how long you actually had felt like that. So I think that I, I was thinking about that after I'd said that. So there are times I'm not going to be, um, I'm, one of the things I do as a work put in my work is that I'm very honest. And so I wouldn't say that I'm 100% of the time I'm 100% happy in what I look like, but I do question myself. So if I look in the mirror in my underwear and I think, oh God, I've got a big belly, I go, why is it big? Like, what, who's telling you that? Who's telling you that that's not okay? And that is when I go, actually, what a load of bollocks. Yeah. Uh, someone's telling me that, that, that which means I should have a six pack or I should buy some big pants that push the fat up under my chin. Uh, <laughs> of which I'm not going to do either so there comes a point where you I don't know for me whether it's been my age or the fact that life experiences has um modeled my thinking in where I just show up and I'm just me and that doesn't mean I don't get nervous or frightened or scared or insecure but ultimately if you can just say fuck it to convention and fuck it I am here and fuck it this is me. And when I go, because I go to, I do exercise. I am a bit of a, I do like going to the gym. I love all that, but it's not anything to do with my body shape. It's always to do with my mental state. So um, I go because I love the rush and I love the feeling and I love, you know, I love that. Um, and I don't really give a toot. Like, but interestingly, I also, I'm not very sociable. So if I, I am, <laughs> that sounds really weird. I am sociable, but I'm not really a party person. Like, yeah. who the fuck is at the moment? But like, what I mean <laughs> is, uh, if I had to go to a party and wear a posh dress, would I then feel differently? Maybe, because mm-hmm. it's a different, there's a different expectation on me yeah. um, in that situation. Yeah, I, that's interesting. I mean, I definitely feel more vul- vulnerable if I have to get dressed up for something yeah but what the hell's that about and you know here's a funny thing right i've got a dress in my cupboard that i have worn through various different you know i've got five four five children i've got five children i've made one in the cupboard i've got four children right and obviously my body has changed over time uh, because i've had babies i've run two marathons albeit very slowly um you know i've had moments of anxiety where i've lost a lot of weight because i couldn't physically eat but equally i've eaten a lot because i've been hungry and tired 
and I've got a dress that lives in my wardrobe. I've wheeled that dress out for funerals, parties, Christmases, christenings for the last eight years and not once has anyone said to me, oh, that dress again. <laughs> so nobody gives a shit about what you look like. That's the other thing I've come to realise. Nobody, unless you're thin, and then people want to know how you've got there. And as, yeah. a, as a smaller person, then you're like, oh my God, but I don't like what I look like either. Leave me alone. It's, it's, it's horrible, the world we've created for ourselves to live in. And it's, it's, a not, it's all a bloody nonsense. Yeah, I'm just trying to think now. I mean, I really do belt and braces if I'm going, not literally, metaphorically speaking. If oh, that's a lovely, there's nothing wrong with you. Grace. I hope you wear more than just a belt and braces. <laughs> yeah, that definitely would not cover my nipples. Um, <laughs> of boulders. Yeah. Not quite that far up, though. They're quite stacked. <laughs> the boulders would be on my kneecaps now. <laughs> I know if I feel like I am comfortable but look how I want to look and look good as far as I am concerned I know that I feel better if I look in a way um, where I'm not sure where I'm not 100% convinced but somebody else has told me I look nice I will spend the rest of that evening still feeling uncomfortable um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And whether or not I feel comfortable when I think I look good because I'm happy that I look good or whether because I think somebody else will think I look good if you're still with me I, yeah. I don't have the answer to that um, I just know that uh, you know there comes a point because I do enjoy clothes as well I enjoy getting dressed up or, or at least you know I enjoy putting clothes together and outfits together um, but if it's but if there's anything about it that's not quite right it will eat away at me for the entire day slash evening um or if i think it draws too much attention to my body um i i feel very vulnerable as well um it's, it's, well, it's really weird because if you lose weight and everyone says oh you've lost a lot of weight you look great it makes it makes you feel uncomfortable mm -hmm. like actually makes you feel uncomfortable so even if that has been your driving force i remember I got really into the gym, I don't know, 18 months ago before this shenanigan started. And I was out because I had a running club at the time. It makes it sound very grand. It was more of a, uh, it was my, it's basically getting people outside to talk to each other about the shit they feel. Yeah. So anyway, we were running and I, and I had, my bum had got pretty pert because I was spending quite a lot of time sat on a spinning bike. And some of the girls said, oh, well, you're looking so good at the moment. And then I was really mean, actually, but not meaning to be mean. But I said, um, well, thank you for that. But. Um, that I haven't done it for for that. I haven't done it for your validation. I'm not doing anything for you to validate me. Mm. And then they were obviously very flummoxed because in normal world, if you say to someone, "Oh wow, you look lovely. You look nice. You've done your hair. Nice lighting," uh, they um, they like it. But for me, I just think we put too much emphasis on that what you look like, and actually the validation comes from inside. And if you can't, you have to learn to look in the mirror and showing yourself and it's only when you feel good yeah that you will step out of your house feeling good and you can dress up in anything people say to you to please them but if it makes if it's not pleasing you it's not it's not serving anyone no absolutely um, we touched on the triggers that make you feel negatively um towards your body and you were talking about your own thinking um conditioned by the world but one thing that I thought was interesting was you said your your own thinking conditioned by the world, but ultimately your responsibility. Yes, which means that if I stand in front of the mirror and I say, 
oh my god you're such a minger I take a hand to my inner bitch and I have a word and I say look I'm just me <laughs> doing what I can in a world that's all a bit weird um so I do I own the responsibility of the way I my internal dialogue talks to my soul that's yeah. what that's which about. is really which is really important but also I think really difficult I think some really people would find that incredibly difficult to do but we don't challenge it enough uh -huh. We don't, we don't, we don't say to people, uh, so I think mental ill health is very different to uh, mindsets. So I don't think you can always uh, think your way out of depression or think your way out of anxiety. I think there's a point where you can potentially, but I don't yeah. think, uh, you know, when you've literally fallen down in that hole, you can't then say, oh, I can see blue skies, it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> but like with self, with self, not, it's not even confidence really, self worth it's that it's all about talking to yourself like it so it helps you because you're actually what i'm trying to get people to see is that if you can just be kinder to yourself like as you as you would be to your friend like if i look like shit in the mirror when i look um and i go god you look shit if my friend turned up at my doorstep i wouldn't say that to her no. and my point is the more we talk to ourselves like we would talk to our own best friends the more we can start believing in our enoughness. And that is what I'm on about. It's not, it's, it's an acceptance of where we are. It's about making the best of what we've got. And I don't mean in a lucky sense, I mean in a, we're alive, God damn it. So we need to get out there and start living like we don't give a shit that our boobs are different sizes and our legs are really hairy and our ankles aren't skinny. And we, and not only that, but we need to be modeling this behavior for our children. Yeah. Like, I've got four daughters. When one came home from school at 10 and said, I want a thigh gap, I, I opened my legs and stood like a star and said, there you are. Because <laughs> what the hell is that? Like, what are we doing? Yeah. What was it's, her response? Oh, mum, you're such a knob. Actually, she was 10, so she might not have said knob. Do <laughs> <laughs> you understand, mum? <laughs> Yeah, like you don't understand. It's it's a lot. It's a lot. You're swimming uh, to have a mindset that says actually, uh, beauty isn't the way you look, but a way in which you feel about yourself. Is you're swimming against a whole um, a business commercialism mindset made up by people that want to make money out of you being ugly, mm -hmm. um, and there are more people wanting to make money out of the way you uh, feeling bad than yeah. help you feel better. Have you always been aware of the impact of your words and how you are towards yourself on your daughters? Um, you know, have, as they've grown, have you always been mindful of what you say? I am. I'm not perfect. So that's you know, I'm not a perfect human being. So I get shit wrong. But I am very conscious of being kind to my reflection. Mm -hmm. um, and I used to walk around naked a lot. They've, they've decided that I should stop doing that because it's a bit weird. <laughs> it's, but I, I agree. I think it's a really important thing for them to see you do. And yes, definitely. I mean, my 15-year-old son would be horrified <laughs> if he saw me naked now. I'm certain. But, um, but yeah, I think that's really important. And it's yeah. certainly for me, it was really hard to do. I never saw either of my parents naked ever in fact 
even to the when my mum was very ill I know I always talk she always ends up cropping up in conversation yeah well important <laughs> people do don't they yeah, but it, but even when she was really really ill she I never I still never saw her without a nighty on and I was caring well, for her a lot even in that last 24 hours I never saw her without it's weird isn't it because nakedness because nakedness got sexualized by whoever sexualized it back mm -hmm. when it was sexualized um and it stopped just being human but I don't know about you but there's a whole now it's like we're bombarded by the body loving naked loving hair loving you know all these groups that are like really tight on their values and belief which of course go for it i don't you know i don't do be you be you do what mm -hmm. you need but i where where did we come away from just being you i don't i'm i'm confused by that i'm i'm just you know i'm just me doing me uh and accepting me in the hope that i can help people see a way to saying oh my god yeah what a point you know i am gonna die one day what the hell am i doing worrying about the fact that my waist is 35 inches yeah um yeah. i do remember talking to uh sun Ives mermaid uh laura about uh being naked because she enjoys swimming naked um in the sea not in her local pool <laughs> um but I, you know she i was we were sort of talking about the fact that i, I didn't feel anything when i um strip naked in a, a tidal pool I didn't feel particularly empowered and her argument was is surely that's the point you don't feel anything because it isn't anything it just is yeah, yeah. you just are you know yeah it's such a point it just is you just are I mean that is it and that's it's it's that's lush isn't it mm. like I know it's it's we we I almost think we think too much about not we don't but we everything gets so complicated everything's got to be i mean social media has made a massive point of all of this hasn't it we've got to be everything's got to be proven you know oh i've had the best day ever and there's a picture of you hashtag happiest day or <laughs> hashtag do you know what i mean like it's where is what i don't know where the simplicity of just wrapping yourself up and feeling the feels has gone yeah. without the uh without the having to feel like you're going to climb a mountain or whatever yeah yeah I also pick up on your point about, um, you know, the the number of people, invariably women, uh, understandably, at the moment with the whole, you know, love your body, love your hair, love whatever it might be. I mean, that for me is a process of reclaiming those things, which I think is really important. And like you say, whatever people want to do, they want to do. But the whole reason this podcast came about, the whole reason any of this work that I'm doing um, uh, on the book and on myself and uh, any of the conversations I have came about because that embracing and, and, and absolute positivity and absolute determination that we should not feel anything other than pride in ourselves is what for me felt like I had failed again because I couldn't I couldn't right. see that I would get to that point I can't say so be terribly thrilled about my cellular <laughs> You can call it selling it all you like. <laughs> yeah, or tell me how much you love it all you like as well. But it doesn't fucking matter. It's because it's about you. But also that's where this whole like po uh, positivity is a brilliant and wondrous thing. But you can't, not, we're not all wired the same and it doesn't always work. And I don't know why we can't just say that actually just being you is enough. Mm -hmm. Like being okay is pretty brilliant. Like, 
Yeah, you said believe in our enoughness a few minutes ago, and I wrote yeah. that down because I think I think it's really nice. Believe in our enoughness. Yeah, as everything, as parents, as women, as ourselves, as you know, none of us are perfect. We all fuck up. We all look a bit shit sometimes. We all smell a bit funky. We all, you know, none of us. But if we could just look at us from outside and just say, yeah, but you know what, you're all right. Mm -hmm. And actually, all right is okay. But it's because of this whole thing about, you know, everyone's got to be the best. You know, you can't just have a cold. You've got to have flu for anyone to give a shit. You can't just feel sad. You've got to be depressed. You can't just, you know, you can't just be a secretary in a, in a, not there's anything wrong with this, by the way, but you're not allowed to just fit somewhere. You yeah. have to be always aiming for the next big thing. And that's great if you want the next big thing. But if you're yeah. totally happy yes. in your soul doing yeah. what you're doing, then. But this is a lot of to do with, um, I, you know, I think when you look at that, that's got a lot to do with um, the manipulation of, of women. You, you know, women are frequently told if they want to stop at home and look after their children, that they are either lazy or unam in, in, unambitious, inambitious. Yeah, whatever, yeah. You know, I know what you mean. Yeah. Uh, so they're either told that, but then equally, if they are ambitious and they want to break through the glass ceiling and all of those sorts of things, uh, then they're a bitch or they've got no heart and how could they possibly want to do that over and above their children or even you know those women who ch decide they don't want children how could they possibly not want children there is constant scrutiny about that so it's we're almost not allowed to uh and you know enjoy whatever it is that we want in life because we've always got to want more but then equally we're not allowed to want more because that's us getting above our station. Uh, you know, uh, uh, I always remember my stepdad, my, well, my mum and my stepdad saying to me when I was looking, you know, to get married, is you need to make sure you marry someone who can put you back in your pram. I think I've said this before on the podcast, but put me back in my pram. What does that mean? What does that mean? I mean, it basically means when I get above my station, somebody who can effectively okay. put me back in my place. I don't need putting back in my place. I'm all right where I am, thank you. No, that's very bad. I don't like that at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, looking back now, I don't. And I'll tell you what, if anybody ever said that to my daughter, I would absolutely... Yeah, <laughs> you'd give them a wedgie. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm a pacifist, so I probably wouldn't do anything other than look no. sternly, but... <laughs> <laughs> Padding some hearts there. I think it's really interesting. Everyone in the world is a judgmental fucker. And uh, yeah. if they would stop judging and start seeing the world with compassion and curiosity instead, and realising that fundamentally we're all different and that that's perfectly all right. And if I want to go and change the world, I can. And if I don't, that's okay as well. And I think it's um, a lot of it is born of people's insecurity. So like when you see your friends have two babies and is now the managing director of a bank, you know, that, that can make you feel like you failed somehow. But that's because we're totally measuring our, our worth, our success on, on uh, our societal achievements. So it's always based on the corporate ladder or the number of kids you've had or how thin you are. And it never, ever comes back to what's happening on the inside, which is actually fundamentally how happy are you in life? Mm. I like I think is it Matt Haig that says um, that he wishes people or yeah that he wishes people would ask you what's the weather like in your head today because yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that question of how are you is so 
people don't even listen to the answer really do they? No, but also people don't really want to know so but this morning no. i went for my um social distance one walk with a friend uh-huh. and uh i was wandering around i've lived around here a long time so i know quite a few people and um i said good morning to someone they said oh how are you and i said oh, i'm really good thank you because i am really good today i'm on bloody fire today yeah if i'd have bumped into them friday when i couldn't drag my sorry ass out of my bed mm-hmm. i'd have said actually i feel a bit shit and then people don't know what to do and they do that thing where they go oh it's all right it could be bad it's nearly over look it feels a bit shit today i'm mm-hmm. not saying that i'm gonna give up and you know you know roll over what i'm saying is today i feel a bit shit so mm. i'm gonna cry and weep watch a sad film have a bath get myself out of bed but i will you know regenerate and and shake it off but it's people don't even it's a it's a nicety people don't really want to know it's it's jibber jabber it's, mm. it's it's terribly terribly british of us yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm terrible because I, whenever I talk to people, I don't do transactional conversation. I basically want to know about how, you know, what's going on. Tell me how it's, tell me what's happening. Uh, I want to know, I want to know why you think like that. Which is really uh, unnerving, isn't it? I find when I do that to people I've only just met and they think, I don't, I don't want to tell you everything about my life. I just want to... (laughs) I just want to pass the time of day and say what the weather's doing. Exactly. So, like, I do say to people, if you really don't want to talk to me, make sure it's like you're very aware that I will want, I will try. But equally, I don't always. I'm quite, um, I'm quite good. I, I feel the energy when I talk to people generally. So I'm quite good. But yeah, tittle tattle. It's just tedious. It's not the meaning of life, is it? It's not what fuels our soul. Okay, so talk to me about food. What's your relationship to food like? Oh, I like food. <laughs> yeah. Basically, yeah. I do. I love food. I don't exercise because it means I can eat food. I eat food and I eat food that I like. Um, I love wine. I love cheese. At the moment, I'm eating too many cheese and pickle sandwiches because it's my go-to homey food. So it makes me feel better. Why do you um, say too many? What what constitutes? Oh, every, oh, just every day. Every day. Lunch is cheese. That? But why is that a problem? Oh, it's not a problem in any way. It's just that uh, that's all. I mean, I can eat cheese and pickle sandwiches every day, all right, because it's my fave. Yeah. I actually like little chunk pickle. A uh, big chunk yes. pickle upsets me a bit. Well, yeah, no. When Branston brought out that little chunk pickle, yeah. I mean, it was a revolution, wasn't it? It was. It was... <laughs> I much prefer to be a little chunk than a big chunk. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> same, same. I can't even remember when that happened, but it was. It was quite. I mean, it was quite life changing on some level, wasn't it? That you didn't. Yes, have it used to be called. Is it still called sandwich pickle? I don't know, but sure. Yeah, I'll have to go down. Um, I really. I just I do just like food I'm trying to think if ever there was a time when I was 18 or so I was a bit shit with food but it wasn't really a conscious effort in not eating it was really that I didn't have any time to eat which is really shit and stupid of me but I it wasn't like I had a problem with eating I just it wasn't even a no just wasn't even a thought yeah and have you Um, you're not you don't feel any anxiety around food no Unless it's moving. (laughs) (laughs) If you've got to catch it first, it pisses you off. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Although I did once buy a tuna steak and uh, I chopped it and it had a big worm in it. That, you know, that's Mm. not okay. That would, that's some anxiety about food. Yeah. (laughs) Not okay. No, no, I'm quite glad I don't eat tuna. That 
Oh, no, but I really don't have an anxiety about food. Like, I really, like, I, I'm lucky. I, do, I know how food can be so bloody complicated in people's lives. And that makes me sad because actually food is such a constant source of joy. Yeah. Like, it really is an easy, an easy way to, you know, there's nothing... When someone comes to you and says something really sad about their life, you know, you sit them down and give them a cup of tea and a chocolate chip cookie. Do you know what I mean? And it, mm-hmm. it should be just, it should just be enjoyed. Yeah, I was talking to a friend of mine this morning um, when I went for my socially distanced. Um, <laughs> Glad to hear it. Yeah, um, and we were talking about uh, somebody that we know who wanted, um, who had had a gastric band. And um, and how uncomfortable they were if they overate, you know how how deeply uncomfortable they would be if they were overweight. Yeah. I have a friend who's had that as well, and and we would all get together as girls and we would eat our, you know, in the olden days when you could, and we would eat our bread <laughs> and cheese and all the rest of it. And God bless her, she'd be on the floor for half of it in just in absolute agony. You think where's where's the joy? in that and what is it all for um and that's you know i don't know i mean i guess the argument is and i guess with everything is if it if the end result means that you are genuinely a happier human yeah then maybe there is an argument for all this shit but if you're doing it because you think you should look a certain way i i don't know there's a it's a funny it's a it's a funny thing isn't it it is really hard. I mean, the thing is, I, I have just mentioned this on Instagram, so um, I, I won't, well, I'll go into it, whatever. So I put um, five pounds on over Christmas. Shock horror, five pounds, that's all it was. It's all fine. You know, l- logically, I know it's all fine. Um, but it's freaked me out that it hasn't gone because I think at every Christmas and birthday and holiday and all the rest of it, I'm going to put another two pounds on and then another five pounds. And, and I'm going to be able to maintain those things until those events happen. But then in two years time, I'm back up to 15 stone and I don't want to be 15 stone. And I'd love to say that I'm completely comfortable in myself enough to not care what I weigh. But the truth of the matter is, I do care because I know that when I see photos of myself or catch sight of myself when I'm heavier, I am deeply, deeply uncomfortable and it is incredibly triggering for me. Yeah. And that's not right. That's not, um, you know, that's not necessarily... It's not wrong either. It's, It's the way in which you've become yourself and I think that I don't have weighing I do have weighing scales in my house but I don't use them I don't measure myself I don't weigh myself I don't I know that I've put on weight but I you know what fucking hell I'll have a poo tomorrow and it might all be a bit better um I just I can't I won't let the world dictate to me that I should be a certain weight or height or age or IQ or whatever but that's not to say that if I see pictures of myself and I go yeah oops oops but I I I try really hard to wrap that in compassion yeah Lizzie like what the hell you've had 12 months of not being able to move around like you did and actually you still you still look all right you look all right like yeah we're in our psyche as it said that some there is a, a turning point from not looking all right for me i mean as a in my family unit we never talk about fat we talk about having fat on our body because we do without it we would be bones and muscles and not much else yeah well in your case belt and braces and some boulders <laughs> but um, um but we talk fit we talk fit yeah all the time so 
no, I'm not a size 10, but I'm, I'm fit. I run and I swim and I spin and I'm, mm. I'm energetic and I'm youthful and, you know, the rest of it, it I feel all right. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, where's, where's it become a point where we, we don't like what we see? Is that us that doesn't like what we see or is it us not liking what we see because we don't look like good enough yeah I mean mine's entirely socially conditioned without a doubt and uh, and interestingly I put a post up uh, a couple of months ago where I was getting rid of my scales Uh, and I did get rid of my scales but I had a whole conversation with with my husband about it because what I actually wanted to do was smash the scales break the scales get rid of the scales they would never be used again because they were not usable but we both went oh wastage that's not really it's not a very responsible thing to do so we hid the scales and of course I knew where the scales were hid (laughs) so I thought to myself before Christmas well I'll just see before Christmas and then after Christmas and then I can just get a sense of what's happening to my body it's all it was all bullshit and now I find myself you know midway through January going oh my god I put my pads on and I can't get rid of it again and I'd say who gives a shit you're really great it's the weirdest thing yeah. it's the weirdest thing the way we talk inside our head to our so- you know the colors of our soul are fucked up by the fact that we won't be kind to ourselves mm. um and your five pounds will disappear like without you thinking about it mm. if like as in i'm not saying i've got a magic tablet but what i mean is we spend so much time thinking about it that, that five pound actually becomes you know the heaviest thing in the world because we think that it's made our lives harder because now we're not as good but it's those boulders around my nipples isn't it <laughs> just take them off <laughs> take them off <laughs> you see and also it won't help you swim you'll sink boom first to the bottom that's really true that's why i was on the bottom of the ocean this morning <laughs> you see it's all such it's all such like the world has made us all mad and it continues to do it it continues to do it and i think the biggest gift that we can give ourselves is to say oh fuck off i'm yeah. gonna be me i'm gonna wear this i don't you know whatever whatever you think of me you can think of me but i'm gonna think good of myself yeah um yeah it's right it's it's absolutely right one of the things that we uh connected on uh, before the Arts Council shattered our dreams. Um, <laughs> Don't get me started on trying to get grants to do good for the world, I hate to add. How very dare we have too much social benefit in, <laughs> in an application. Change people's lives. Yeah, oh God, who wants to do that? Um, anyway, I'm not bitter. I'm a little no, bit... Nor me. <laughs> Uh, but the reason that we originally had a conversation um, was because we were talking about what we could do uh, mutually to support young people through some of these conversations Um, and I suppose I wanted to pick up a little bit more on that obviously you are where you're at and you're feeling most of the time generally pretty good about yourself and comfortable in who you are and that's the messaging that you are uh, instilling in the, the girls at home and presumably the people, you know, friends that you come into contact with and all the rest of it. But but where do we begin with young people? What Have you been having conversations that have 
given you concern for them around all of this subject um, and what are your sort of hopes for how we can all collectively as grown-ups support younger people the younger people that are in our in our lives to navigate some of this so i think that's possibly the most important question uh, of the day there's been many day. like <laughs> it's quite long there's been many important questions like what's for lunch mum i don't know have a look He's in a the pickle, obviously <laughs> <laughs> exactly um I think that uh, this is interesting. So I've always thought that the age of eight was a pinnacle time of change. Now, please remember, I'm not a psychologist, a doctor. I've got certificates in therapeutic mentoring and happiness and life and all that sort of stuff. But I'm not a psychiatrist. Obviously, I haven't written <coughs> a thesis on any of this. But this is from my own experience, working with children, living with children, is that the age of eight is a pinnacle time where you suddenly realise that you are not the same as your friends and at that point we suddenly realize that we're not as clever not as fast not as thin not as fat not as tall not as strong I don't know whatever it is we're, we're it's the first time we're made aware that we're in a race with that we're in competition with each other you know oh yes. I've read Biff and Chip oh I've read Biff Chip Kipper and Bob you know it all becomes ridiculous and age eight that is suddenly where you see that insecurities creeping in that self-doubt that i wish i was as good as the tears when we lose and all that sort of thing and i think if we can get to children in primary schools and help them to look in the mirror and say this is me and i quite like me it would be a brilliant way to tackle life for them as they step up to go into secondary school and the ensuing uh, pressure from everywhere at that point uh, from social media from friends from fashion from whatever pop stars you know all these icons that we idolize who do not give us the right messages um, I have been I have worked in schools and I've had something booked in but obviously COVID um, this recently to go and work with a body image in years five and six so we're talking 10 and 11 year olds who mm -hmm. suddenly don't like who they are and I think it's our bloody moral responsibility, our social obligation to, as parents, as grown-ups, as adults, to model, first of all, to model self-love, um, even, even if that means standing in front of the mirror and going, oh God, I'm not quite sure if this looks okay. I might change, but that's just to help me feel more confident rather than to look better. Mm -hmm. But also to say to these kids that actually you are, your enoughness is lushness. And it's the change what will happen to you is if you believe in that is your confidence will be okay yeah. um but it's always for me is that kids just and adults god we always focus on the what we're not and we've stopped looking at ourselves and saying no but you are and uh we're so busy pulling ourselves apart and criticizing ourselves that we forget to to build ourselves back up mm. um so how do we help the kids? Well, first of all, we model the behaviour, but also we get this sort of thinking into school. So I was going to go into the school, right, with some carrots and some potatoes and some googly eyes. And I was going to ask the children to rate them in terms of attractiveness. And then I was going to say, there's no such thing. They're all carrots. And they'd have said, yes, they are. And then I'd say, so what makes you think that you're not as lovely as the next person? Mm. 
We're all basically carrots and potatoes. Basically carrots with feelings. I mean, <laughs> it makes life tricky. Carrots with feelings with a rule with rules about how you could be the best carrot. That's the yeah. thing. Yeah. There's no such thing. Honestly, we're chasing the wrong we're, we're chasing the wrong goals. That's the problem. We're chasing the wrong mm -hmm. the wrong things. Yeah. I I think that's um yeah, I mean I I love all of that and which is why um we could do brilliant things at some point. <clears throat> I I definitely notice my youngest is 12 next month and I definitely have noticed in the last sort of year to two years mostly in the last year the conversations with her friends where her friends are going for a run in the morning but they're not going for a run in the morning to feel good they're going no. to run in the morning because they they've gained weight yeah. there's conversations about diets and all of those other things and it's tricky isn't it because we could go into schools you could go into schools any or anybody could go into schools and have those conversations but if those conversations aren't being reflected back at home then then those conversations are gonna that they just stop you're right and it's the, that's the frustration for me when i was talking to the head teacher i said i will come and i'll do it and i'll love it because i love to see kids realizing that actually they are themselves and that that is good let's let's love that and i said but i'll only come on the proviso that i get parents as well because yeah. it, it needs reinforcing all that but also in the teaching profession you know there's teachers are just human aren't we you know we're all just human yeah and i'm not this isn't a criticism of the teaching profession anyway but teachers need to feel that they need to feel good about themselves they need to be able to model self-love and confidence and and um say to kids but you are enough but it's so hard because the system is always oh well you could have done better yeah and that's it's a pincer uh, kind of movement required isn't it we've, we've got to come in at both angles <laughs> yes <laughs> we'll get the kids when they're really little and we'll get the grown-ups when they're Absolutely. bringing the kids into the world and then hopefully eventually <laughs> somewhere in the middle, middle. yeah and there'll so be a whole really generation of fixed people Yes. So weirdly, that's what somebody said to what somebody said to me. Well, who do you? What's your aim? Who? What people is it you're trying to help? And I always say, well, actually, I'm trying to help everybody. And then, oh, you can't say that. You can't be wanting to help everybody. I said, I can. If I can unteach all the grown-ups that the social conditioning of being too fat, too thin, all that bloody two, two, two stuff, and I can teach the children that their enoughness is lush. That is it. Fundamentally, mm -hmm. we've created. A mindset of self-acceptance and celebrating our individualness rather than our stri striving forever for this perfect person that doesn't exist. Mm. Possibly the economy will entirely collapse, but you know, at least we're not happy carrots. <laughs> but we should be making money out of the stuff that, like, I mean, I hate money. It really pisses me off because it, yes, it's such it's a such a barrier for doing good stuff. And then what happens is people that can afford it jump on people that can't miss out. And that's not okay either. It's not no. everyone deserves to feel the warmth of self-compassion. Um, but it is, we, we need to build our society on stuff that empowers people to feel good and happy and integrated and connected. And the common objective being that we're on, in this, on this planet, in this life for such a short period of time, the very least we can do is help each other do it the best that we can. Like, mm -hmm. it's really weird. It's the world is very odd. It is, but, but I mean, 
compassion and kindness is it's free it's available it's available to us and and but it's also very much about self-compassion as well we've done a lot like a lot made me laugh not in a a horrible way but in an ironic way you know when poor old caroline flat went through her trauma Mm. and everybody was like hashtag kindness hashtag kindness and within three weeks we were nicking rolls of toilet roll from tesco's and not saving any for the rest and it's not it becomes a a wave to ride upon because everybody suddenly sees the injustice of it all but the problem is it doesn't stick because it's not trendy enough and it doesn't oh like it's not real enough mm-hmm. um, and I think that if we really want like kindly we all get stuff wrong we've all been unkind we've all been mean it needs to be we need to have a society that is based on seeking to understand where other people come from rather than judging them for their mm-hmm. choices um, and then being compassionate to ourselves and other people. And that doesn't necessarily mean always, it means being honest and helping um, everybody. Uh, it's, I don't know, it's really weird. Kindness is a thing and it is a thing, but it's also something we can get wrong. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like it's another thing we can fail at. Whereas um, compassion, I don't know, for me sits better in my soul because I can, Compassion sometimes means giving people a wedgie, but it sometimes means giving people a, a hug. Um, both when we're allowed. <laughs> when we're allowed, yeah. Socially distant hug. Socially distant hugs are shit. <laughs> I'm just gonna say that. If anybody elbow bumps me in place of a hug, again, I'm, I can't promise. I'm gonna make sure if I ever come and swim in the sea, I'm gonna make sure I elbow you. <laughs> Uh, oh it's just it's it's rubbish do you think that um do you think that there is a a a turning tide do you think that we're in a moment where difference can be made i think that um lots of people think that's what's going to happen i think people think that when this all goes away the world is going to be filled with love peace and singing uh I think it might, but maybe very short-lived. Mm. I think it won't take long for people to slip back mm. into insecurity, self-doubt, and hand-in-hand hand goes with that, uh, you know, being judgmental of other people because we feel shit about ourselves. Uh, so what we need is more people like you. doing And you. We need compassion. That's what we need in the world. Compassion, curiosity, uh, and just good old gay abandon, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely not enough gay abandon in the world. (laughs) (laughs) I did some writing the other day and I just wrote Gerd Milloins in there, literally for the hilarity's sake. I did double check that it wasn't something totally dodgy uh, before I did that. (laughs) But um, I just think that, well, it'd be really nice if it did become a place of less... Um, less pressure, more joy. But the system just isn't... That's not how it's built, is it? It's built for best results not best feelings no absolutely and on that basis it's even more requirement for us to take individual responsibility for yeah eating the cheese and chutney sandwiches whenever we want to and being kind and doing exercise because we love our bodies not because we hate them and um and and saying the things to ourselves that we would say to our friends really yeah like totally that is a really uh, a really key message how would you talk what would you say to your friend if they said that to you um well, i think you're fabulous and i 
I really, really appreciate your time today. Oh, no, thank you. It's been a joy, a privilege, an honour uh, to uh, sit here. I am less nervous now than I was when I started. How about you? <laughs> so much so. I just like laughing and swearing and laughing. talking about stuff that matters. Yeah, laughing and yeah. swearing and talking about stuff that matters is definitely my jam too. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> brilliant. Thank you. So, Pleasure. so much. Pleasure. Thank you. Oh, it was so good to get back into the saddle and perfect for sorting out my funky mood. If you'd like to keep up to date with Liz's take on life, give her a follow on social media at Beanology1 or visit her website, beanology.co.uk. If you have any thoughts following today's chat, feel free to tag me on Twitter or Instagram at How to Breathe So You Don't Look Fat, or you can email me at howtobreathepodcast at gmail.com. Next week, we talk with my friend Val Reardon. She has all of the stories to tell from her days in New York in the 60s to her life now here in Cornwall, still battling with the body image demons. If you can, please do like, rate and subscribe to the podcast. I'd be extremely grateful, not least because it helps more people find us and I'd love to get these chats out to as many as possible. For now though, thank you to Mike Hall for editing and music, to my guest Lizzie for making me laugh and thank you very much for your time. See you next week.